You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, episode number five. Last time we talked a little bit about spiritual sinkholes and what that means. And today we're going to dive right in to more in-depth discussions about the influence our technology has on our spiritual life. I'm going to share some pretty personal stories with you, but I trust that God is going to use it for his glory. So let's just get right into it with the episode that I am calling The Tragedy of the Rich Man. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. Hey, welcome to episode five of the Hello Awesome podcast. I'm so glad that you are back because today we are diving in deeper into the content that I started sharing last episode. Now, if you haven't listened to episode number four, pause right now, go listen to episode number four, then come back and listen to episode number five. It just will flow better. And there's a lot of things that God taught me that um, I just really, really, really want to share with you, and I don't want you to miss anything. So let's dive on in today. Um, Last episode, we spoke about the importance of trees and deep roots, how we must be like a tree established in God's word, allowing it to store within our hearts and feed us so that we can in turn feed others. Now, I shared how the Lord impressed upon me that if we're to become what Isaiah 61 calls, quote unquote, trees of righteousness, just like our elders, then we must have deep spiritual roots in Christ. That the same way a tree shakes the ground when it falls, we will shake the lives of people around us if we fall too. I shared a recurring dream that I was having, um, and I also introduced to you the topic that we're going to dig deeper into today, the entertainment that we as God's people are consuming. Now let's set the stage by going into scripture and reading the story about the rich ruler. This was not a parable. The rich ruler was not a parable. It was an actual event recorded for us to learn from. So let's go into Luke 18, 15 through 17. Jesus is teaching to the masses. And in response, people bring their babies and children to him that he would touch and bless them. And the disciples rebuked the people But Jesus made a statement that we all know too well. He says that whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall no wise enter therein. Now, children are honestly natural born learners. From the moment they arrive, they look for guidance and nurturing. They are inquisitive and excited. They're explorers. And there's a purity about a child that God requires all of us to have. Upon hearing this statement, we're introduced to the rich ruler. He was there the entire time hearing Jesus. 
So he heard the messages, and he was close enough to hear what Jesus said about entering into the kingdom of God. And in Luke 18, 18 through 21, it says, And a certain ruler asked him, meaning Jesus, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now right now Jesus is establishing who he is and that he knows the level of commitment the rich man has already made. And the rich man is in agreement with Jesus. It's easy to think that the rich ruler was a Gentile or a non-believer, but scripture is clear that he knew the law and had obeyed it. He was raised knowing it and believing in it. He believed in God. However, the Lord knew this man's heart and what he truly valued more. So after the rich man agrees with Jesus that he is in fact has followed the law, the Lord confronts the real issue at hand. In Luke 18, 22 and 23, it says this, Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. So instead of a grateful joy, the man's response was one of sorrow. In the man's eyes, Jesus asked for a little bit too much. Earthly possessions were not something dispensable to the rich man. See, he had accustomed himself to a specific lifestyle, and therefore he grew comfortable in it. He was a rich ruler, and he saw how the poor lived. He didn't want to live that life. In fact, he probably even added to it, right? If he had power, he might have even been the type of ruler who may have made poverty worse. I don't know. It doesn't say. But I was really thinking about this, and God kind of gave me a couple of questions. How would we respond if God asked us to abandon our comfortable lifestyles in the entertainment that we surround ourselves with every day? Would we die to these daily desires? Or is the price too much to pay? You see, the rich man was sorrowful. He was full of grief and sadness by Jesus' request. It wasn't something that he was willing to surrender. I do believe that the rich man loved God. I do. But he just loved his lifestyle more. And you know what the sad thing is? is that the rich man totally ignored the most important part of what Jesus said because he was so focused on the sacrifice. The Lord told the rich man to not only give away his riches, but to, quote, come follow me, end quote. The rich man was one choice away from complete personal communion with the Lord and obtaining an eternal promise. Just one choice away. Now, last episode, I mentioned sinkholes. So I'm going to kind of review that for you. Have you ever heard of them? Sinkholes are big holes that open up without warning and they devour whatever is above them. They've been in the news for swallowing up trees, houses, and sometimes entire neighborhoods. It's caused by rot under the surface of the ground, so 
It looks fine on the surface, but without warning, a hole opens up and whatever was on that ground will just fall right in. So here's my question for you today. What is your spiritual sinkhole? What's eating away at your foundation that one day might swallow you whole? Now, there are so many motives behind the entertainment that we consume, and a lot of it is to provoke fear. We really need to ask ourselves, what spirit are we entertaining? And what content are we consuming that might start creating a spiritual sinkhole within us? Living in Hartford, Connecticut at a really young age, I witnessed a family friend being wheeled out of his house into an ambulance. He was only 15 years old and he would never come back. Now this incident began to affect my mental health as I grew up. Around six years old, I had both a fear and a curiosity about death. This increased in my preteen and teenage years when I began writing short stories and poems. There were numerous pages of horror and murder plots. By my early 20s, I was obsessed with crime shows on television, scary movies, and gory books. I was more than infatuated. I was captivated. At the time, I thought, "Mm, I'm only entertaining myself. I like this. But spiritually, I was entertaining the enemy. What we watch, listen to, and read influences us. Satan wants to make God's people powerless. He does. And the only way he can achieve that is by bringing things to our attention that appeals to our flesh. 1 John 4 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now that word try means to test. It doesn't mean to just try everything to see if you like it. It means to test the spirits. Pray about them. Find scripture. Ask the Lord. Ask elders. Go to your mentor if there's something that you're not sure about. You see, we justify what we don't want to give up. Excuses are easy to make, but commitments take work. And that is what separates the Christians who only want God's benefits and the ones who want God's relationship. The rich man wanted to benefit from his faith so that he could enter into heaven. And honestly, we've all done that. But the one thing he wouldn't do was take the next step to reach the next level of commitment to God. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, have communion with me, sit with me, eat with me, walk with me, talk with me. Jesus was telling the rich man, you won't be rich, but you will have me A comfortable lifestyle will blind us into believing this is as good as it's going to get. But God says, no, there is more. There is better. Come, follow me. I will show you. Trust me. But you have to leave this behind. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew six nineteen through 21 Now the word treasure doesn't just mean a fancy trunk filled with gold coins and jewels. That'd be kind of cool. But 
it refers to the word deposit. Now, years ago, I used to work as a bank teller. I know, I'm full of stories. Get used to it. (laughs) But saying this out loud is actually really funny because if you knew me, you'd know that math to me is the Antichrist. Like, seriously. But as I was a bank teller, many of the people I assisted would deposit the same amount every day or week. I had a few customers who invested in their future through a savings or a money market account, but other customers wouldn't deposit anything at all. They wanted all their money from payday and cash right away so they could have a good time during the weekend. And they were always excited to inform me of their plans and how the money would be spent. I could see their excitement in their eyes as they looked at the money when I counted it. Their minds were already spending each cent before they even left the bank. Treasures from this earth have no eternal worth. So what is our investment? What do we spend our time and attention on? Where our investment is, that is where our hearts are. Now, in everything, we really should be diligent in keeping the Lord as the center of our greatest desires. Investing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is essential to the structure of our being. This is the only relationship that will provide a constant flow of nourishment for our spiritual roots, strength for our spiritual growth, and good fruit for our spiritual branches. Trees of righteousness have the fear of the Lord as their treasure. We are chosen vessels to carry a portion of our Father. Think about that. I'm going to give you another illustration. If I poured grape juice into a sponge and then I squeezed it, would orange juice come out? No, it would be grape juice, right? So why is it when we pour negative influences into ourselves and then life grips us and we react with those same negative tendencies? We're surprised. God's not surprised. We have been given the power to choose what we fill ourselves with. If we pour into our minds entertainment that encourages negativity, that's what's going to come out. But if we pour refreshing, life-giving influences instead of that, then we can be used in a positive way in somebody else's life. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 7.14 What if this verse wasn't just talking about things in the natural? Sure, it can be something we apply to healing our cities and our countries, but what if we read this and applied it to our spiritual person? Lord, heal my land. Heal my heart. Have your way, your will, within this heart, Lord, within this mind. I repent of that book I read that was laced with sexually explicit fantasies. Forgive me, God, for ignoring the Holy Spirit when I played that CD in the car yesterday. I knew it wasn't good for me when I was alone, but I did it anyway. Nobody was around. Can we just stop acting like we're good at playing hide-and-go-seek with God? We're really not. Have we learned nothing about Adam and Eve? We think we're so clever that nobody knows what we do behind closed doors, what shows we watch, what movies we stream, those secret text messages to that boy that our parents don't like. We're not invisible to God, though. He might not be visible to our physical eyes, but he is everywhere all the time and he is all-knowing. Does that not stop us enough to give 
him respect? For there is nothing hid, which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Mark 4.22 One of the biggest struggles that young people face today is being accountable for the content that they consumed. I'm only 34, so I kind of include myself in that. But how diligent is the next generation of believers in being accountable for the content that they consume? Lord knows the answer, and honestly, I don't want to know. But this world doesn't need more people who love God, but never live like they do. James 1, 5-8 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraided not. And it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This process of being perfected will never end until we go to heaven. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's long-suffering. However, the reward is so great if we stay the course. Let's not be like that rich man. Jesus knew his riches were a spiritual sinkhole. It was consuming him. Before the rich man even approached the Lord with a question, Jesus already had an answer. Give up your comfortable lifestyle and follow me. Feeling sorrow didn't save the man because he was more concerned with what he was losing than gaining. But you know what? The real sorrow is this sad truth, one that the rich man couldn't see. He never realized that in keeping his possessions and turning away from Jesus, he became spiritually poor. He gave up a crown of glory for filthy rags. He gave up being an heir to being a slave. But you know what? There's still good news for us today. No sin is too deep of a sinkhole that God can't fill it. He can restore the rot that's below our surfaces. There is a promise waiting in heaven that is so much greater than any treasure that we get down here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. My choices in entertainment was bringing me to a crossroads. And God was starting to convict me. He was revealing a spiritual sinkhole in my heart. He was showing me where I was investing my energy and time. And that it was contradicting the path that he was trying to get me on. As I started going to church and reading the word, the enemy showed up again. I spoke a little bit about this in the last episode. About the reoccurring dream I started to have. And honestly... I truly believe that it was partially due to the influences that I was allowing to entertain my heart. At the very least, what I was being entertained by wasn't helping me grow spiritually the way God was calling me to grow. I'm going to share the recurring dream again so that it can refresh your memory. It was an old house. I stood at the bottom of a dark staircase. The floorboards creaked as I ascended the steps slowly and cautiously. I really didn't want to be there, but I kept walking up the stairs anyway. My conscience said to turn back, but I didn't. And as I neared the top of the landing, I saw double doors in the hallway to my left. Beyond those doors was the attic. 
My hands shook as I stared at the doorknobs, which pulsated as the doors breathed, shifting in and out like a heaving chest. I didn't want to open them. Ghastly sounds of torment echoed from the other side. The longer I stood in front of the doors, the more I could feel the air getting hotter. I knew deep in my spirit that hell was waiting right behind those doors and the devil was waiting for me. Now for years I did not want to share this part of my story because of skeptics but then there came a time when the Lord started really giving me more confidence to share and because it's through sharing the real moments when God meets us those stories can help people meet God too. Now I felt led to share this story in my book and with this particular subject because of the representation. You see, when we are in darkness, we can't see how deep we are. I didn't have any demonic dreams when I was comfortable in my sin. I actually wasn't aware of any spiritual battle at all because the enemy kept my attention with the things of this earth. And I was so full from those things that it satisfied me. Don't let what fills you up in the natural deplete you in the spiritual. See, I was brought to a place where nothing could satisfy me. I was confused and lonely. I was unhappy with my relationship. I was unhappy with my situation. I had family issues that weren't resolved and things from my past that still controlled my present. Nothing seemed enough or filling anymore. It was all empty. Now, I was never suicidal because I really did consider life a gift, but Anxiety and depression and guilt were everyday best friends for me. I felt like I was all alone and that no one understood. Have you ever felt like that? I'm sure you have. And then I started those commission paintings and I started thinking about a different way out of where I was. And that made the enemy upset. So he tried to intimidate me and distract me through entertainment. He knew my weaknesses with lust and impurity. But as I pursued God more, his grip kept tightening. And what would get the attention of an artist more than visual stimulation? But you know what? The devil's power has a limit, but God's power doesn't. Within four short months, probably even less, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost at a district conference right here in Connecticut and was baptized in Jesus' name in my home church in Enfield. During that time, I took all of my non-Christian CDs and I snapped them in half, right in the trash. It was honestly very liberating. I became more intentional with what I watched, what I read, what I invested in. And sometime between receiving the Holy Ghost and after being baptized for a while, I had another dream about that old house, only this time it was much different. The dream went like this. I was no longer cautiously walking up the stairs. I was full out running. I felt fearless and renewed. Gripping the handrails, I made my way up to the attic hallway. I stood in front of those double doors without fear this time. Grabbing both the handles, I pushed those doors wide open. In that room that was once full of torment and fire was now a room engulfed in light. The light was intense and beautiful beams cascaded across the floors. I could see the outlines of windows, but nothing more because, honestly, the light invaded every single inch of that room. It blinded me. 
The light was so bright that it was white. At that very moment, I physically felt in the real world a pop in my body, followed by an overwhelming flood of the presence of the Lord. It felt like I was floating. I woke up from that dream and could feel warm sunlight on my face, only to realize that it was the actual sun shining through my bedroom window. I lay there and I cried tears of joy. Did I still struggle with certain things after? Sure. But this time, it was totally different. This time I had hope and I had freedom in Christ. I had his blood applied to my heart and his spirit lived in me. I had something more precious than anything this life could ever give me. I finally had Jesus. See, your struggles, your pain, your spiritual sinkhole is not the end of your story. If you don't want it to be. You are way more powerful than you even realize. You can make choices. And that right there, my friend, is a gift from God. If you use it to better yourself. Don't pour things into you that will keep you standing still in sin. Don't let the cushion of a comfortable lifestyle rob you of the chance to share the throne with the king someday. Don't be like the rich man. He ignored the next level that God had for him, all because of something temporal, something he couldn't take to the grave. But you know what Jesus did? He took that sin that you're struggling with and buried it long ago on Calvary. This right now is a chance to let go of whatever is dragging you down and follow Jesus to the next level. Thank you so much for listening to episode number five and hearing me out. I have shared some pretty personal stuff with you, but you know what? That's what friends do. Until next time, just remember you are not alone and God is not done with you yet. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. For more information about all things Hello Awesome, head to HelloAwesomeShop.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.